welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. It's Jen, and I am so excited to be back here again today. I know I always say I'm excited because I am. And today, my guest is Karen Ensley. And Karen and I met on her podcast that she does with her husband, Will, a little while ago. And we clicked so strongly and had such an amazing conversation about being an empath. And I could just see like Karen going like nodding and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was just really obvious that I wanted her to be here on this show. And the show is Karen, the skeptic metaphysician, the skeptic metaphysicians. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wonderful podcast. You guys check it out. So Karen, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I am so happy that you invited me. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, so you know about the podcast, obviously, and I'm so so glad to have met you through that. Um, but let me see a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Florida. I've done all sorts of jobs, including real estate and teaching. Um, I currently work in TV, in front of the camera, behind the camera. <laughs> um, my probably favorite thing to do is travel mm. because that is just a soul, it's soul medicine for me. Um, that and obviously being with my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that's me. Yeah. Well, obviously being with your family, actually, I mean, that's not necessarily so obvious because there are definitely people where being with their family is probably the last thing they want to do. So I'm glad <laughs> that you and your family are so dear to each other and so connected. That's really awesome. That's a very good point. And I'm also I'm a cancer, so home is very important to me. Home is very important to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm on the flip side of that. I'm a Capricorn, but in a weird way, I think home is also very important to us. <laughs> and just, you know, sort of that's having that stable ground and that place to land. So when you and I first connected, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was just how being highly sensitive and empathic and empath has really like affected your life, but also sort of the journey from who you were. And then how did you come into like, when did you realize you were an empath, like that kind of journey? And so I always love to talk about before you knew, Mm -hmm. what was life like for you? Well, to be honest, most of my life was before I knew. Mm-hmm. I've only recently kind of found a name for this and, and started to gain an understanding of, of exactly what I'm dealing with. Um, and gosh, it's it's been tough. I, I just, I always thought I was an emotional kid, emotional person. My mother is from Ecuador and, mm-hmm. you know, everyone says, well, Hispanic people are emotional. They have tempers and I don't really have that angry temper, but I am very emotional. And I thought, well, maybe it's Maybe I'm just the Hispanic. Maybe it's the hormones. But just always, um, you'd see that that kid that's getting bullied and it would break my heart. Even as a kid, I would be jumping in there and saying, hey, you know, leave him alone. And I just, I would feel it really strongly. So, I, but I just thought I was being oversensitive and that's what I was told. You know, my yes. parents would be like, oh, you're just, you're being too sensitive. Don't worry about it. And so I got to tell you, it has been a relief. <laughs> to find out that I'm not just crazy and super hyper oversensitive. And now that I've kind of, um, I don't want to say put a label on it, but but put really a, a maybe a, a meaning behind what's going on with me, it's made things so much easier and I can recognize things better now. And I can understand, I can feel really sad. Gosh, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago. This has happened a few times, I would say within the last four or five months where I've just been really sad. But now, instead of thinking, oh, it's just my hormones or whatever, I'm like, it's just something, something's up. And sure mm-hmm. enough, in a couple of days, I mean, gosh, we had a work situation where two people lost very, very important family members. And we're all very close with our colleagues. So for them, and, and the way that they lost them, both of them was very tragic. So, and that was just a couple of days after me thinking, God, I'm, I'm really sad. I don't know. I mean, something's coming, I think. Because now... I can recognize it. So it's, yes, it's been helpful. (laughs) Oh, I, so, and I swear to God that 
they must give out a script to every parent of an empath that has the lines in it of you're being too sensitive, you're overreacting, you're taking it too personally. It's not your problem. Why are you worrying about it? Like, I mean, it's amazing to me. I don't know a single, I have not spoken to one single empath who has not been told this. Like every one of us has been told, and it's like, it's where it's the same exact words. Might be in Spanish, <laughs> you know, might be in French, might be in Spanish, might be a different language, but it's the same stupid words. You're too sensitive. You're overreacting. And that just results in you internalizing it all. And exactly. then thinking that you are crazy or something's wrong with you. So then you, you like overcompensate by not being as emotional or closing yourself off and then that causes more problems. It's a hotness. Well, and when you, you know, and the thing that I think makes it so challenging too is when the empath is being blamed for the emotions, Mm -hmm. but the source of the emotion, the emotional distress is not just our own. The problem is we can't fix it by addressing our own inner energy. Like we can't think our way out of it. We can't, you know, navigate our way out of it because the solution is not in, is not just inside of ourselves. And when we can start being like, oh, I'm picking something up from the outside world. It is, it's like revolutionary. It is life-changing. It really is. And then you don't feel like you have to fix it. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to hold on. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to kind of let this go. And I'm going to be there in whatever way I can to help whoever is going to have a problem that I know is coming. <laughs> but it's not like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? What did I do? What, you know, what what should I regret? I mean, it's 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 been a game changer. It really has. And the being able to get rid of some of that worry. Yes. Just worrying and obsessing has been tremendous to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sleeping at night so much better. And I have to tell you, you were a big part of that. I mean, you were one of the first people that were telling me, you know, look at this and kind of explaining to me what was going on. And it has been a game changer. So I can't thank you oh. enough for that. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> what you just said is the reason I'm here on this planet. Like what you just said is why I wrote the book, why I created the Academy, why I've done everything that I'm doing, because it breaks my heart to see how many of us who have so many gifts to offer the world and so much important stuff to bring to the world, but have are just like we are so stuck because nobody has ever given us these tools to say, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. And here's an alternative way of approaching it. So, Karen, you just made my month. <laughs> I'll have to come back and, well. <laughs> and listen to this piece. like over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're the one that, that should be being thanked right now. And part of the hard part, I guess, well, the part I'm trying to figure out now is when you start to feel bad and, you know, is it just a coincidence or not? I had another situation where I woke up in the morning and I told my husband, I'm, I'm really sad today. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm really sad today. And that day, three of my family members called me in tears. Mm. They were having a really emotional, they didn't know, they each called me separately. They didn't know that each one was calling me and telling me about this situation that they've been going through. It's a very, really rough situation in their family. And it's like, oh, that's it. That's what it was. You know, I don't think that's coincidence. It, it felt too much. I woke up like I just wanted to cry and I didn't have a reason. So now I, it, God, it's been so helpful now. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I go through the checks and from your videos. Oh my gosh, your videos are awesome. I'm like, is this mine? Am I, you know, <laughs> and I kind of figure out, is this something going on with me? No. Okay. If it is, you know, we all have our stuff and, and you get through it and, and resolve your situation. But now I can like, oh, it's, it's not me. Okay. Well, here I am and I can let go. I don't have to be sad, but if I can help somebody, it might yeah, be coming. Exactly. Well, and as we start, you know, for me, the whole thing about the steps of recognize really, you know, of recognize is that it's not just recognize. It's like there's three aspects to it. The first part of recognize is the ability to identify that we're feeling out of sorts, like to just be like, oh, I woke up and I'm feeling really blue and there's no reason for me to be feeling this way. Nothing is going on in my life that correlates with this. I feel off. I feel wonky. And then the next part for me is always asking the question, is this mine? Where is this, you know, like, is this mine? And usually... Uh, you know, the answer is yes. And because there's most of the time, there's some part of it that is about me, but then there can be a lot that isn't. 
And then I always ask the third sort of the next piece is just like, what's mine? What's not mine? And then deal with it, with it from there. But there are the, so many times where like when we start getting that empathic distress and feeling it and being like, oh, something is coming, it's so much easier to be prepared to support people if you know that the grief or the despair or the fear or whatever is coming down the pike is coming than it is when you're just thinking there's something wrong with you. What a difference. And I, I think back, I look back over, you know, just prior to the the death of Queen Elizabeth. And I was thinking like, there was like a, dis, you know, like a, I was having a conversation with a number of people kind of commenting about, like, you could just feel the disturbance in the field, like the force, you know, sort of like there was, there was a disturbance in the force. Like there was something that was going on. And I, I remember just a bunch of us, like maybe a week, two weeks beforehand who were starting to feel that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Here's this global despair. Here's this thing where all of these people, like an international level of grief, like it just, it, it, it really was like a sucker punch to the planet when she died for many reasons, because it was a very, you know, and, and not, not just, oh, we're all sad, like complicated. Right. <laughs> I mean, gosh, she's been around forever. forever. I mean, my whole life, Elizabeth yeah. has been there. You know? And she was always queen my whole life. Always queen. I know. <laughs> I was like, when, the, when she, the day she died, I was like, really? Like, I, it was just, it, it, and then I was like, and then my rational mind was like, yeah, she was in her 90s. It was time. But, but it was really funny because I just, I couldn't even, it was almost like, I just, it took me totally by shock. I was so surprised. And yet then I was like, oh, yeah. I'd been feeling this. I'd been sensing it. I can feel the rumble underneath my feet. So I love how you are talking about how, when you can identify, oh yeah, I'm waking up to this, I'm feeling this, and then you're prepared as opposed to just sinking in it. And, you know, it prepares you also in another way that if you realize it's, it's not necessarily all yours. And you can kind of compartmentalize that or put that, you know, to the side, then you can help people better. Because if you are taking this in and then people are still going to come to you because, you know, it's your family or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm having a crummy day. So you're not going to be that helpful. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be a good listener. You're going to be all, you know, so it's, it's really, I gotta tell you, this is, it's a game changer. It really, it really is. Yeah. It's a game changer. So Karen, you and I were, before we got on the call, um, or I mean, on the recording, we were already on the call, but mm-hmm. before we got on the recording, <laughs> you were saying that you've been a teacher for a long period of time. And uh-huh. I was just thinking about like, what did being an unchecked or an unidentified empath feel like being a teacher? Like I can only imagine. Well, you know, it's funny because, so I, I, I quit teaching a while ago, but um, I never, up until this moment, really kind of put two and two together pretty much every Friday for, I would say, I don't know, not my whole teaching career, but for quite a bit of it, I would, after the kids left, I would close the door, turn off the lights and sit and cry. And I thought I was just so stressed out from work. And it was, it was a stressful job. But now I'm like, but I mean, I would cry, you know? So, and I had students, uh, gosh, I had a student who was um, a Muslim girl and she would come in crying because her father would say all these horrible things to her because of the culture and, you know, slap her and all these things. And I would get these stories mm. from kids and, you know, you, you just, you're there and you comfort them and you kind of help them, you know, move along. But I just didn't realize how much it was affecting me until, until now. I'm like, well, that explains why I was crying in my classroom every Friday. Every Friday. Yeah. I knew I knew a woman who um was not suited for for the kind of teaching she was attempting to do. She would have been a great kindergarten teacher, but that's about it. <laughs> and uh there was a period where she was like every single Sunday night she would have and I was friend of hers at the time, so she and I talked, but she would call me on Sunday night before getting ready to go back to school and she would be having a panic attack because the distress of being around these inner city kids with all kinds of trauma, she just was completely ill-equipped for it. And in her case, 
She also did not have the personality of an alpha dog that you got to have if you're a teacher. Because, oh, yeah. you know, it's like kids are going to try to get what they get. You know, they're going to try to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, but and that's actually something I've recently been realizing, too, is that, you know, not only do empaths like pick up on the emotions, but I also really believe that we pick up on like the will body of people like their desire and their will. And we can feel other people's will being exerted on us. And where, you know, everybody might go through some sort of like social pressure to not like disappoint somebody. Not only do we feel the disappointment coming from somebody that we don't want to feel, but I've also noticed that we feel the sort of the will, like the pressure energetically of people trying to get us to do things. And I'm imagining with a teacher you got this classroom of willful children who are all exerting <laughs> their will on the teacher to try to get their way and to try to get what they want. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in some ways, being an empath, you probably were a spectacular teacher. But in other ways, I can imagine it was also the thing that made you go like tap out eventually and be like, I I'm done with this. Yeah. 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 It was a lot. It was, and, and I miss it. I dream about it and I miss it, but I just, I would like to do it maybe yeah, part-time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could devote myself as much as I did at the time. Well, and did you leave hard. it um, in correlation with the pandemic or did you leave it before the pandemic? No, it was, it was mm -hmm. well before that. Mm -hmm. It was well before that. So it was before actually I moved to Virginia. So, um, I, you know, I just tried to, I'm still trying to figure out what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> we all are. Um, but it's interesting. I think that as an empath, one thing that, you know, we, we can feel things, but I think people also feel and are drawn to us because I'm sure you've had the experience. Random people, they tell you their whole life whole stories. Whole life stories. Yes. I was interviewing um, um, Roxanne Chaput the other day and she and I, um, for a show that's going to be airing sometime or has already aired not sure where that where it all fits in the order but we were talking about the same thing it's like she as a small child people were coming to her and telling them telling her their life story like she was five and people adults were confiding in her and then I was talking with somebody else earlier today where it was a similar experience where it's like small child five years old adults confiding I've had total strangers come up to me in the airport and start in on their life story. I agree completely. There is something, we are a magnet yeah. for people and their <laughs> stories. Yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I was at the grocery store today and talking to the checkout guy. Next thing you know, I'm next to him bagging groceries. <laughs> He's telling me about his life. I'm like, well, I'll just put these yeah, in the bag. Yeah, you know? yeah. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, I was at I was at a park that is one of our my husband and I is one of our favorite places to go. And this guy, you know, came out of the bathroom and just sort of was like, "Hey, how's your day?" And he had been traveling with his wife on motorcycle, and just they were like touring the area, but they were from you know much further south. And, you know, I just started in on the conversation and we just started like talking like old buddies. And my husband is just like, <laughs> you don't need to be talking to him. Come on, hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I don't know if you have like anything that like, for me, one of the, the things that I have kind of the hardest time with is when you meet people and for whatever reason, you know that they've never like felt love. They've never had a kiss before, you know? Oh my God. There were just, I, there were a couple of people I used to work with the nicest people, but I just knew and I, telling my husband about it, you know, a few days ago, the conversation came up and I'm tearing up about this, you know, and it's just, God, that's for me, that's like a special spot that just really, really pulls on the heartstrings. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, immediately as you were saying that, it's like my little love light just turned on and I'm like, I'm just going to beam love at them. <laughs> you know? I'm just going to send them <laughs> yep. so much love. Yeah, it's it is. And, and that's one of the things I absolutely love about empathic people and about, you know, about empaths is just the fact that we can have such a deep desire for other people to feel loved, for other people to be cared for, for other people to get their needs met. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, if everybody felt that way, boy, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? What a different world it would be if everybody felt that way. Yeah. Oh, like preach, preach sister. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Mm. I'm just thinking there was something I was, there was a thread that I wanted to pull on. And now I'm like, what was that thread that I wanted to pull out? Because we're just having such, there are just so many wonderful pieces of this conversation. Oh, I wanted to comment about, you know, for me, one of the things that has made anticipating other people's distress much, much easier is having perspective about my job and what I'm good at and what I'm here to do versus what I'm not here to do. And kind of like for me, it's been kind of a thing about like kind of getting right with God. Although in my case, it's more like getting right with mom and knowing that I am not the bus driver, that I am not the person responsible. I am absolutely not the rescuer. And I do not need to be the person who fixes the issue, rescues somebody, makes it better. And that there is that they something I love is to just tell myself if I need to, this person has a higher power in their life and you are not it. And when I sense that somebody's experiencing a great deal of distress, or I know like you were talking about your family, how there's a situation, offering it up to God, to goddess, to the blessed mother, to divine source, whatever name you use for a higher power, but like placing it on the altar, like placing it at their feet, um, if you believe they have feet, but just sort of placing it there in front of that divine source and just being like, this problem is bigger than anything my puny little human brain and my ego will ever, ever be able to fix in my in in multiple lifetimes. I hand this over to you. And that for me has made such a huge difference is that letting go of knowing one, it's not mine, but two, it's also not my responsibility. I can do my part. I can do my acts of service. I can offer to support and help, but I cannot fix an untenable situation. And that Mm -hmm. just makes life so much more manageable than when I am desperately attempting to like, if like, for example, if I had have somebody who is, has a, a spouse or a parent or somebody who is dying of terminal cancer, no amount of my perseverating about it or worrying about it is going to change the reality of that, that somebody is dying and that their body is getting ready to, to leave that the, you know, like the expiration date has been set and it's ticking down, but you know, what a different feeling from the other side of it, which is like the times in my life where I basically kind of expected myself to do the superhuman and the impossible, like things that I could not possibly make better. Yeah, I've got to work on that because <laughs> I'm still in that like, how can I help? Yeah. What can I do? But yeah, that's a very good point. I never really, I never really thought about that. I never thought about that as an option, to be honest. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, and there's something for me offering it up and just like, I will sometimes just say like one of my favorite prayers and you know, I mean, any, but most of my listeners probably know this. I'm definitely not Catholic. My mother was a, was a recovering Catholic. Um, one of my absolute favorite prayers is the memorare from, you know, for the blessed mother, which is just such a beautiful prayer because it's like, remember a blessed, you know, (laughs) it's funny. I say it all the time. And now that I'm trying to say it, I'm like, I can't remember it. Um, (laughs) Of course, remember almost gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help or sought thy intercession was ever left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, our mother, to thee do we come before thee we stand sincere, sinful, and sorrowful. O blessed mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy grace and mercy, please hear and answer us. There is something about that prayer, but especially the beginning, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection and implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. There is something about that that just when I can say that prayer, it's like I'm giving it over and I'm just like, here, you deal with it because 
this is out of my wheelhouse. This is way bigger than me <laughs> because yeah. I am a puny human being and I might think I know stuff, <laughs> but I'm clueless. Mm-hmm. And I think we get kind of tricked a little bit into thinking that we do, knew, do know this stuff because people are coming to you. You know, people are coming to you with questions and hoping for answers and hoping for hope. So I'm like, well, I got to give it to them. But yeah, you make a very good point. Yeah. I'm going to have to really work on that. Really, really this actually really leads me to even the whole thing of really recalibrating my expectations about myself as an intuitive and as a psychic and realizing like it is not my job to wow people with my ability to say, you know, to impress people. And that to me, collaboration, consent, and clarification and calibration is a lot more important than being you know, then wowing somebody with my spectacular accuracy. And, and I think that that's something that we, we can get so caught up in sort of the hype of ourselves that we, that we don't really, it can be a lot easier if we just kind of like downshift our own expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think more kind of comes to you when you don't expect it as well. Yeah. So Karen, one of the things that you and I talked about doing on this show was actually doing some tapping and talking about, and so I'm wondering, I mean, first off, before we jump into tapping, is there anything else that's like, oh my God, I have to talk about this that you wanted to bring that, that feels important to say? No, I think, I think we've, I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> so there are so many different ways that we can be using EFT and I'm wondering, actually, actually, what comes to my mind in our conversation is that the thing that kind of jumped out at me, the nugget that jumped out at me is the feeling responsible for fixing the things that are going on with other people. Yep. I've always been very, like, I was always the responsible kid, even like as a young child. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if maybe, like, you have taken your empathic mastery to the step of you're now able to recognize what's yours and what's not yours and recognize when something is coming from outside of yourself. And so you're and let go of that sense of, oh, this is my problem. But you're still going into the next stage of how can I fix this? How can I rescue this? How can I bring relief right. to people? So I'm making it my problem, even though I just let go of it. <laughs> yeah. Or you're making it your or at least you're feeling responsible for finding the right. solution mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. So if you were to imagine and actually before we go into I start doing this uh, what's called taking a suds which is the subjective units of distress, I just want to be sure that everybody who's listening Everybody knows how to do the basic recipe. So before we go into talking about the idea of it's my job to fix everything, how about we just talk about or I just show you the basic recipe. So when we are, and obviously because this is a recorded podcast that's audio only, you guys, I'll describe what I'm doing here. So the first thing that we do is we just define the thing that we have decided that we want some relief from or that we want to maybe explore or address. And when we have clarity about that, what we do is we do, we take, um, we just rate it on a scale of zero to 10 with zero being nothing at all and 10 being the most extreme version of it that you could possibly have. Once we get that sense of it, what we do next is we do what's called the setup statement. And that part, that is where we tap on the side of our hand. And as we are tapping on the side of our hand, and I use the three fingers from my dominant hand, I'm a righty. So my right hand, three fingers, I tap. And then I tap on the side of my other hand. It used to be called the karate chop point. But then we've been working as, you know, an EFT community to kind of get rid of like old outdated language. Mm -hmm. So this is so it's just tapping on the side of the hand. And what we do is we say a setup statement, which would be essentially, even though I have this problem, or even though I believe this thing, or even though I feel this sensation, or even though this thing is going on, or even though this thing went on, there can be any number of things that we're saying even though about. And then what we do is we offer a balance to that, which is 
the old classic is I deeply and completely love and accept myself. However, there are definitely people who cannot say that comfortably. Like they're like, that is just not my reality. So I like to use things like I'm open to the possibility that this can shift or maybe I can love myself anyway. So once we've said the setup statement, we do that actually three times. And I like to reverse my hands back and forth so I can keep track of it so that I don't say it 10. I don't do a setup like five times because I forgot. And so we do that three times and then we tap using what's called a reminder phrase. And the reminder phrase is usually anywhere between one and maybe five words that help us to really precisely know what we're tapping on. But the thing is, we don't have to have a lot of gnarly, unpleasant details in that reminder phrase. It can actually be a very neutral phrase, but it's just that we know what we are focusing on. It's kind of like it's like a GPS coordinates that allows us to know where we're going. And then what we do is we just start by tapping on the top of our head. And some people will start with the eyebrows, but I like tapping on the top of the head because it feels like the energy just cascades down from there. So we start with the top of the head, then we move to our eyebrows. And if you were, you know, right at the start of the eyebrows, kind of right at the bridge of your nose, right at the edge of the eye socket, unless you're Frida Kahlo and you have a unibrow Mm -hmm. um, or somebody else with a unibrow, but pretty much like right on that edge of the eye socket. Then we go to the side of the eyes, which is right on the temples, sort of right at the edge, kind of like right where. If you were closer to your eyes, it would be like right where the upper eyelid and the lower eyelid connect. But this is right on the bone, the side, the side of your, you know, sort of right on the on the bone beside your eyes, your temples. Then we go to under the eyes, sorry, under the eyes, which is right on the eye socket again, directly parallel to your pupils and your irises. So like right down from the center of your eye. Then we go to under the nose, which this is sometimes called the Cupid's bow, another name for it. The fancy schmancy name is the philtrum. And then we go to between the lip and the chin. Ah, I just felt a shift just from that. I don't know if you suddenly felt like your body just went relaxed a little bit. And then collarbone points. And this is sort of like you'd find your clavicle and sort of like where your your the collarbone sort of come in around your neck. So like the center of your neck, if you feel like right in the very center of your neck, that hollow point, and then move your fingers out by maybe about out and down by about an inch to an inch and a half, maybe two inches. So you're kind of finding that sort of groove, kind of that soft spot, but the groove right underneath the collarbones. And sometimes people will actually tap further out kind of like closer to your armpits on an area that are called the sore spots. And these are really, this is, but most of the time I tap on this spot, which is closer to the center of your chest underneath your collarbones. And then the final spot in this of of points is the side of underneath your arm running parallel to your armpit and sort of right on your rib cage, kind of just past breast tissue and right under your arm. And then I come back, we come back to the top of the head and take a deep breath. So do you have any questions about that? Um, Not about the tapping, but about, again, about the phrases. I might, as I, say, I might need some help with that. <laughs> I will help you with that in a moment. Okay, yeah, we're going to work on that. Okay. So now that we've got the basic recipe and we understand that, let's talk about the idea of it's my response. So how would you In terms of like the feeling of the urgency or the need to find a solution or like let's and let's think about you're in a real time situation Mm -hmm. with your family right now where you're feeling a lot of um, like so how would you say like are you feeling sad for them? Are you feeling worried for them? Like what's coming up for you around your family? I'm feeling sad for them. Okay. Um, On a scale of zero to 10, how strong is that sadness? With zero being none and 10 is like, you couldn't be sadder. Um, gosh, if I let myself think about it, I would say probably about an eight. eight yeah. It's wow. Eight. That's huge. That's huge. And then from, and where is the sadness inside of your body? Where are you carrying it? Gosh. Um, 
I think just, just right in my chest. Mm-hmm. In your chest. And if it had a color, what do you think it would be? Green. Perfect. Right color for the oh, chest. Okay. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It correlates with the, sh- with the, with the chakra that, you know, with the heart chakra. So yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of like, do you feel a sense of urgency or a sense of responsibility or a feeling of like, I need to make this better for them. I need to fix this. I need to find a solution. I used to feel that way so bad. I would literally leave, lose sleep at night, like obsessing about this, something that had nothing to do with me. And now it just, if I, if I let myself think about it, I get very sad. Um, but I, I am realizing that there's probably nothing I can do about it. But if there was, I would do it. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> figure it out. I would do it, but I just don't think I can. Um, so it really sounds like in this. So what I'm really hearing is actually it's not the feeling of responsibility as much as it's just that you really are feeling this deep sadness for everybody else in your body. If we were going to use sort of a, po- a, a neutral or positive statement as like a, the balance statement. Like I said, sometimes I'm open to the possibility that this can shift. I trust that they have a higher power in their life who's, you know, or like I'm, I can, I'm willing to love myself through this. Maybe I can accept this for what it is. Like what feels like it would be a good balance for you from, you know, even though I feel sad for them. Ooh, I'm feeling really sad now. (laughs) I guess it's okay that I can't fix it. It's okay that I can't fix it. That's beautiful. How about, and maybe I, and, or maybe not maybe, and I can choose to focus on love. How does that sound? Or I choose to focus on love. Sounds good. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. I have to say, I'm probably a little bit more, emotional today than normal. Um, all of our families in Florida, mm. right where it's hitting. So, right yeah. where it is hitting. Wow. Got in-laws in Cape Coral and then the rest of the families in Orlando. So, wow. Well, and you know, the thing is, I mean, I just really believe it's divine and perfect because you and I set this up ages ago mm-hmm. and yeah. here we are. So it's exactly what it's meant to be. So what do you say we do some tapping and with Yeah. And one thing, just to be clear, if I say something and the words don't work for you, change the words to work for you. And also for anybody who's listening and is tapping along, you agree to take 100% responsibility for your own process. Don't go places that you don't want, don't belong. (laughs) And if I say something and the words don't work for you, change the words to work for you. So even though you repeat after me. Okay. Even though, even though I just feel sad for them. I just feel sad for them. It's true. It's true. And it's in this green sensation in my chest. And it's in this green sensation in my chest. And there's probably nothing I can do. And there's probably nothing I can do. But if there was, I would do it. But if there was, I would do it. But it's okay that I can't fix it. Or I'm acknowledging I can't fix it. I'm willing to accept that I can't fix it. I can accept that I can't fix it. I can accept that I can't fix it. And I choose to focus on love. And I choose to focus on love. So even though. So even though. It's just true. It's just true. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. And I feel this green in my chest. And I feel this green in my chest. And I know there's probably nothing I can do. And I know there's probably nothing I can do. Because if there was, I would do it. Because if there was, I would do it. But I'm open to accepting that I can't fix it. But I'm open to accepting that I can't fix it. And I choose to focus on love. And I choose to focus on love. So even though... Even though it's just true, it's just true. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. I've got good reasons for feeling sad for them. I've got good reasons for feeling sad for them. And I can feel it in my chest. I can feel it in my chest. 
kind of green. It's kind of green. And I recognize that there's probably nothing I can do. And I recognize that there's probably nothing I can do. Because if there was, I would do it. Because if there was, I would do it. I'm open to the possibility. I'm open to the possibility. That I can accept that I can't fix it. That I can accept that I can't fix it. And that I choose to focus on love. And that I choose to focus on love. This sadness, this green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. This green, we're moving to the eyebrow eyebrow points, this green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Side of the eyes, this green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Under the eyes, this green, understandable sadness in my chest. This green, understandable sadness in my chest. Under the nose, this green, understandable sadness in my chest. This green, understandable sadness in my chest. Under the lip, this green, understandable sadness in my chest. This green, understandable sadness in my chest. Collarbones, this green, understandable sadness in my chest. This green, understandable sadness in my chest. Under the arm, this green, understandable sadness in my chest. This green, understandable sadness in my chest. Back to the top of the head. Let's just take a deep breath. So when we started, your sad for them was like at an eight. What do you think it is right now? The intensity of it. You may still feel that sadness and that grief. Yeah. Probably about a five. Wow. And one thing I want to say uh, to clarify is that when something is really like a, a situation that you have a really legitimate reason for grieving, we are not trying to take your grief away. What we are doing is we are focusing on taking the intensity and if anything, the resistance to it out like like letting it so that it's sort of like we can accept where we're at and let it be okay and it makes it just so much easier than if we are just navigating that did you realize was there anything you realized or that you noticed as we were doing this first round of tapping um i felt much more calm yeah yeah so my breathing slowed down (laughs) any realizations pretty much have known that there's nothing I can do about this. I think I didn't realize how much it impacted me. Yeah. That yeah. I can't do anything about it. Are you somebody who would say, and it sucks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even though. Even though. It's just true. I feel sad for them. It's just true. I feel sad for them. And I feel this, ch- feel this in my chest. And I feel this in my chest. But it's not just probably nothing I can do. It's not just probably nothing I can do. I know there's nothing I can do. I know there's nothing I can do. And so I'm open to the possibility. And so I'm open to the possibility. That I can be okay with it. That I can be okay with it. And that I can accept that I can't fix it. And that I can accept that I can't fix it. And instead, I choose to focus on love. And instead, I choose to focus on love. So even though, so even though, it's just true. It's just true. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. For good reasons. For good reasons. And I feel this in my chest. And I feel this in my chest. This green sadness. This green sadness. But where I had been saying there's probably nothing I can do. But where I had been saying there's probably nothing I can do. I know there's nothing I can do. I know there's nothing I can do. Because if there was something, I would do it. Because if there was something, I would do it. I'm open to the possibility. I'm open to the possibility. That I can be okay with this. That I can be okay with this. That I can accept that I can't fix it. That I can accept that I can't fix it. And instead, I choose to focus on love. And instead, I choose to focus on love. 
and how does this land? I don't know if, and hold the space for the people who are going through it. And hold the space for the people going through it. So even though. Even though. It's just true. It's just true. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. And I feel this in my chest. And I feel this in my chest. But where it used to be, I thought there was probably nothing I can do. But where it used to be, I thought there was probably nothing I could do. Now I just know. Now I just know. There's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do to fix it. I'm open to the possibility. I'm open to the possibility. That I can be okay with that. That I can be okay with that. And that I can choose. And that I can choose. To focus on love. To focus on love. And holding space for them. And holding space for them. Which is something I can do. Which is something I can do. Top of the head. This green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Eyebrows. Because there's nothing I can do. Because there's nothing I can do. Smile in the eyes. This green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Under the eyes. Just knowing there's nothing I can do. Just knowing there's nothing I can do. At least to fix it. At least to fix it. Under the nose. This green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Under the lip. This green sadness in my chest. This green sadness in my chest. Collarbone. There's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do to fix it. Under the arm. But I can focus on love. But I can focus on love. Top of the head. Let's take another deep breath. Mm. We were at it. We started at an eight, and then we came down to a five of intensity. What do you think it is now? I'm feeling right at about a two or three. That one felt really good. Awesome. It felt like this wave go through me at one point. Isn't it amazing? Holy moly. Yeah. 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 That's why I am like, this is the best thing since like, gosh. Better than sliced bread because most sliced bread has gluten in it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Great. like, wow. It's really amazing. So, what I'm thinking is um, did you have any realizations? Was there anything else that you noticed about it or that you, that is a new way of thinking of um, things now? Holding space for them. I holding never really space thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I mean, I've known that there's not really anything I can do about it, but. Just kind of holding that space for them. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes like just validating that they're in a situation that really sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, and just be like, I wish I could help, but I love you and I'm here. I saw this meme the other day that was so beautiful that was talking about like, Instead of like, you know, like, like continuing to sort of cultivate like toxic positivity, like I'm just, I know it's going to work out just fine for you. Everything's going to be okay. God has a plan, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that instead that the alternative, you know, sort of like the solution is not toxic positivity. Like the alternative to negativity is not like fake positivity or overriding like the truth. It's warmth. It's peace. And it's also warmth. It's like, hey, I know that you're going through this really hard time. You want to go get an ice cream. Hey, I know that you're having a really hard time. What do you say we jump on the phone and just have a conversation while you load the dishwasher and I go fold laundry, you know, or if they're mm-hmm. local, like you want to come over and we'll just cook together. We'll do this thing like that. That warmth is the thing that I think it's the antidote. It's not like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's like, no, sometimes we don't know if it's going to be okay, but we can still love each other through it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking um, one of the things that can be really nice and effective is kind of taking the situation and putting it in into kind of a container or a box or, and offering it up to our guides or angels or higher power. Do you have a relationship with some kind of higher power divine source? I do. Um, I could not really even define it, I don't think. But that's fine. Do you have a name yeah. for no. it? Like is higher power <laughs> good or um I guides mean, and angels? I, all of the above. 
I mean, I, I you know, God. What feels it, right to you, divine it, source? It, it, honestly, it, dep- it depends on the day. It really okay. does. Um, What's right today? Um, today, let's go with God. God. Okay. And if we were going to put all of this into some kind of like God box or container, what would it look like? What kind of container are we going to put it into? It's going to be a wooden container. Okay. Wonderful. And does it have a lid? Does it have a... Yes, it has a a lid and a latch. A lid and a latch. And how big is it? It's about a little smaller than a shoebox. Perfect. Even though... Um, Even though. It's just true. It's just true. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. Because the situation sucks. Because the situation sucks. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. Except for hold space for them. Except for hold space for them. And love them. And love them. So I'm just taking all of it. So I'm just taking all of it. And I'm putting it into a wooden box. And I'm putting it into a wooden box. With a lid and a latch. With a lid and a latch. And I'm going to let God take care of it. And I'm going to let God take care of it. And I'm open to the possibility. I'm open to the possibility. That God can do. That God can do. What I cannot possibly do. What I cannot possibly do. And that miracles can unfold with this. And that miracles can unfold with this. And things may find a way. And things may find a way. That are completely different than what I could even imagine. That are completely different than what I could even imagine. And maybe I can keep loving myself through this. Maybe I can keep loving myself through this. So even though. Even though. I'm just sad for them. I'm just sad for them. Because the situation sucks. Because the situation sucks. It's just true. It's just true. And I know that there's nothing I can do to fix it. And I know that there's nothing I can do to fix it. But I can hold space for them. But I can hold space for them. And I can love them. And I can love them. And I can love myself. And I can love myself. So for right now. So for right now. I'm taking all of this. I'm taking all of this. Their situation. Their situation. The pain, the the sadness I feel. The sadness I feel. The part of me that feels like I should fix it. The part of me that feels like I should fix it. And anything else. And anything else. That is part of this. And that is part of this. And I'm putting it into a wooden box. And I'm putting it into a wooden box. A little bit smaller than a shoebox. A little bit smaller than a shoebox. With a lid and a latch. With a lid and a latch. And I am just going to put it down. And I'm just going to put it down. And let God take care of it. And let God take care of it. Because. Because. God can do things that I cannot do. And I'm open to the possibility. And I'm open to the possibility. That something miraculous can happen. How's that? That something miraculous can happen. So even though. So even though. It's just sad. It's just sad. I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them. And the situation sucks. The situation sucks. And I know. And I know. That there's nothing that I can do to fix it. That there's nothing that I can do to fix it. But I can hold space for them. And I can hold space for them. And I can choose to focus on love. And I can choose to focus on love. For myself. For myself. And for them. And for them. And all the rest of it. All the rest of it. I'm going to put it into a wooden box. I'm going to put it into a wooden box. A little bit smaller than a shoebox. A little bit smaller than a shoebox. Close the lid. Close the lid. Close the latch. Close the latch. And where do we want to put it? I don't know. Under a tree. Put it under a tree. Mm-hmm. Put it under and a let, tree. And let God take care of it entirely. And let God take care of it entirely. Because part of me knows. Because part of me knows. That God can do. 
That God can do. What I cannot do. What I cannot do. And I'm open to the possibility. And I'm open to the possibility. That miracles can unfold. That miracles can unfold. Every last bit of it. Every last bit of it. We're on the top of the head, for those of you listening. All the sadness. All the sadness. All the stuff. All the stuff. That I can't control. That I can't control. In the box. In the box. Every last bit in the box. Every last bit in the box. Closing the lid. Now the side of the eyes. Closing the lid. And closing the latch. And closing the latch. Now under the eyes. And putting it down under the tree. Under the tree. What kind of tree is it? It's an oak tree. Putting it down under an oak tree. Putting it down under an oak tree. And just, what are we going to do? Are we going to leave it there and walk away? I think so. Leaving it under the oak tree. I'm leaving it under the oak tree. I'm walking away. I'm walking away. Under the lip. <sighs> leaving it there. Leaving it there. Letting God take care of it. Letting God take care of it. I can hold space for them. I can hold space for them. I can focus on love. I can focus on love. And all the rest. And all the rest. I can turn over, surrender to God. What's that? I can surrender to God. Bone. Every last bit of it. Every last bit of it. Surrendering it. Surrendering it. Leaving it under the tree. Leaving it under the tree. And letting God take care of it. And letting God take care of it. Under the arm. It's okay for me to let this go. <laughs> it's okay for me to let this go. Because I've, I'm giving it to God. Because I'm giving it to God. And leaving it under the tree. And leaving it under the tree. And I can hold space for them. And I can hold space for them. And love. And give them love. And give them love. Top of the head. Let's take a deep breath. How are you doing? Ah, that was hard. Yeah, it's really tender. Yeah. Yeah. The intensity had been an eight, then it was like a five, and then it was down to like a two, three. Does it feel like it's still around a two, three, or has it come down a little bit? Or It's kind of gone up a little bit. Gone up a little bit? Okay. What I realized is I didn't realize this is something that's been going on for years and years and years, and it's kind of come to a culmination. Uh-huh. I didn't realize how much of a part of me it had become. Had been carrying it? Yeah. It's just been a part of me for years, decades. Mm. To... to let that go is hard because there's a feeling of guilt. Mm. So it sounds like, actually, if you were to tune in, is the sadness, is the intensity still sadness or is it actually a different, the emotion of guilt now? <sighs> Probably the emotion of guilt. Yeah, because so it sounds to me like what's happened is within sort of EFT parlance, we tapped on what's called an aspect, which was the sadness about the situation and cleared that. But now we've peeled away a layer of the onion and we've discovered that there's this guilt that's kind of underneath the surface because this is like kind of a clown car where there's <laughs> a lot to this story. Yeah. So what do you say we just do one more round to acknowledge that it's been a part of you for decades and that it brings up these feelings of guilt? And just sort of like, maybe I can just like, it is what it is, or I can be okay with, like, I can accept, I can love and accept myself and the situation mm -hmm. because letting it go, it's more about letting go of the intensity, not necessarily the situation, if that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how about we just give it one more round of tapping and see if we can take the edge off a little bit more. Okay. So even though. Even though. I realize. I realize. It's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. This has been going on for a really long time. This has been going on for a really long time. And I've been connected to it this whole time. And I've been connected to it this whole time. No wonder this is so hard. No wonder this is so hard. And so tender. And so tender. 
I'm just acknowledging it. Just acknowledging it. And how about loving myself anyway? Loving myself anyway. So even though. So even though. I'm realizing it's been part of me for decades. I'm realizing it's been part of me for decades. It's just come to a head now. It's just come to a head now. And part of me feels guilt. Part of me feels guilt. Part of me knows there is there is nothing I can do to fix it. Part of me knows that there's nothing I can do to fix it. And part of me knows that what I can do is hold space for them and love them. And part of me knows that what I can do is hold space for them and love them. <sighs> but part of me feels guilt. A part of me feels guilt. So I'm just acknowledging it. So I'm just acknowledging and it. And loving myself anyway. I'm loving myself anyway. And willing to hold space for them. And willing to hold space for and them. And love them too. And love them too. So even though. So even though. As I've been tapping on this, I realize this has been part of me for decades. As I've been tapping on this, I realize that this has been part of me for decades. And this situation is hard. And this situation is hard. It sucks. It sucks. That's just true. It's just true. And I do realize. And I do realize. There's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do to fix it. But I can hold space for them. But I can hold space for them. I can love them. I can love them. And I can love myself anyway. And I can love myself anyway. And does it work to say, and I'm okay? And I'm okay. And it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Eyebrows, no wonder it's so hard. No wonder it's so hard. Because it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Side of the eyes, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Under the eyes, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Under the nose, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Under the lip, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Collarbone, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Under the arm, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Back at the top of the head, it's been part of me for decades. It's been part of me for decades. Let's take a deep breath. I can feel in my body, like it feels like things have come down a little bit again. Is yeah. that true for you as well? Yeah. 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 Gosh, I didn't realize how much it affected me. This is not what I expected to happen today. I know. It's sometimes, <laughs> wow. you know, sometimes it's like, you know, especially the things that we've been trying to keep under wraps for a really long time. Sometimes when we just give some oxygen to that tenderness and just let ourselves sit with it and feel it. But, you know, we've done four rounds of tapping and went from an eight of intensity of sadness and really acknowledged some very gnarly stuff and held space for you. Like, because it's much easier for us to hold space for other people when we can hold space for ourselves. That's true. Yeah. So how are you doing? How are you feeling at this point? Feeling better. I am. Awesome. Or, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> no, no. Well, and I think that that's, the th you know, the thing is that as empaths, we feel that urgency, we feel that desperation, we feel the part of them that is like an animal that's got their foot in the trap. Mm -hmm. We desperately want to make it better for them. And yet, I know from my own experience that a lot of times the only way out is through and the only way that things are going to improve is when the people who are sort of the actual agents of the thing do what they need to do to change their own life. And that's a hard lesson to learn for mm -hmm. sure. It is. Yeah. And it's hard when you sometimes feel like you're watching someone just run off a cliff and there's nothing you can do about it. There is nothing you can do about it. It, <laughs> it sucks. Does suck. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Having had certain family members um, in my extended family who have been in rehab so many times, I cannot even count the number of times they've been in and out of rehab at this point in time. I, I feel you because 
It's like watching somebody on a path of self-destruction and knowing there's nothing you can do to save them is so painful. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, I cannot believe how fast the oh time has gone by. <laughs> wow, it sure has. I know. <laughs> At last, I've cried. Yeah, I went through all the emotions. <laughs> Yeah, you have. It was like it was like a it's like an Oscar movie. Oh my goodness! Is there anything else that comes to your mind as we're sort of wrapping up? You know, towards the end of this of this podcast interview, is there anything else that comes to your mind that feels important or you'd like Um, to share? I mean. It's it's really hard to let yourself be raw, but it's so important to be able to do that too. So maybe having people hear me <laughs> crying in the last 10 minutes, if that can help anyone realize that it's okay, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. I, you know, it's, it's me who I am feeling everything and, and that's okay. And I just want everyone else to know that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, you know, it's like letting ourselves be okay with not being okay is so often one of the most important things we can do for ourselves as empaths and also for other people too. That, you know, it's like sometimes it just is what it is and it sucks and (laughs) that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for for the tapping that that was Wow. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm so glad I was able to introduce you to it and give you a taste of what is possible with tapping. So we mentioned earlier that you guys have an amazing podcast. How do people find your podcast? We are pretty much on every podcast platform out there. We were pretty excited. We just recently got um, invited to be part of the iHeartRadio podcast platform. So we're thrilled about that. Um, But of course, theskeptimetaphysician.com, our website, um, you can get all of our episodes there. There's a newsletter that you can sign up for. And we have the best guests on our show. And so many of them have offered discounts to our listeners if they um, sign up for the newsletter. So it's a good place to go. You can learn a lot, get some discounts. And uh, we highly encourage people to leave us a recommendation. We love getting feedback. Um, we always like to improve. So anything you know, good or bad, we want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to make a plug for please give actually give both of our <laughs> podcasts. Um, please, please rate, you know, ideally, five star ratings are absolutely wonderful. They help our they help the algorithm. So please go check out the skeptic metaphysician. Please give them glowing reviews. And while you're at it, give me a glowing review too. Ah, Karen, this has been such a delicious, soulful, vulnerable, raw, real conversation. Thank you for bringing your heart and your just your beautiful, beautiful soul to this conversation today. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.